Welcome, everybody. You know, I've started to do some interviews here on my podcast channel. I'm very honored today to be with the author of this book, Government, the Biggest Scam in History. I love the title. And the name of the author is Etienne de la Beauté Squared. Now, I first ran into this amazing author at Anarchapoco. He was talking and we snuck in because it was really hot. I was air conditioned in the big, very big venue. And we heard this amazing author speak and we were waiting for the next speaker. We had really no idea when we when I came in to see you, Chan, I, we weren't there to see you. But as soon as you started talking, we were there 45 minutes because of the heat. And then we kept looking, all their crowd kept looking over at what you were saying. And we said, this guy is absolutely bang on, absolutely amazing. And we're like, have you heard of this man before? Like, I've, I've, I've seen his work sometimes, but I've never heard him speak. He is brilliant. And we were all had our jaw on the floor. And then at the end of the talk, you said, if you'd like a, a copy of my book. And of course, we were jumping over each other to get to the back of the conference room to leapfrog and like kind of fist fight each other. You had a limited number of books. And we were completely delighted with your presentation, your information, and how much effort you put in to uncovering this foundational scam of government. So for people who might be new to this, can you explain to people in, it doesn't matter how long it's going to take, Etienne, but can you explain to them how they got to believe that government is legitimate? Like how, how long has this been going on and sort of, how do people get there to believe that a group of very obvious mental defectives stealing from people and extorting them and or threatening violence, how does that become normalized in our lives? Well, first of all, I wanted to say thank you for those really, really kind words. And then I wanted to tell you the other part of it, because when I tell the story, I was amazed and I was glad to meet you because I don't know if you remember, but you're standing in line as I'm signing, you know, books and everything. And, and, and you say, Hey, uh, you know, I, I say, Hey, who should I sign this to? And you say, Jason. And I look up and I do a double take and I ask you if you're Jason Kristoff and you say, yes. And I go, Hey, you're in the book. You're the guy that got me off of coffee. And then I announced to everybody in line and everybody around us and everything. This is the guy that got me on off coffee. And one of the things that you're in the, you know, the authentic voices section of the book, and we've got links to 14 things you don't know about coffee. And I really credit you for getting me off of caffeine and really, you know, bringing home how, you know, harmful it is. And so I'll, I'll put the, I'll, you know, if you're, if you're up for it, I'd like to put the link to that 2020 Anarchapulco speech in the, in the show notes for this, because it really was a, a like a, a, a great talk and charlie robinson uh, said it burned the house down and so other people enjoyed it as well to answer your specific question about you know about the scam of government and so uh, uh you know the title of my book is government the biggest scam in history and it has been the biggest scam in history because there's no way of having a legitimate government 
You can't have a legitimate government with an election. You can't have a legitimate government with a coronation. You can't have a legitimate government, no matter how you do it, not in a democracy, not in socialism, not in communism. And the reason that you can never, ever have a legitimate government is because it's, it's impossible to delegate rights that you don't have yourself to a representative or to a government to represent you doing something you don't have the ability to do yourself. So if I don't have the ability to take uh, Jason's money and spend it on charity or make up rules for Jason myself, then I can't delegate that right to a representative to exercise on it my, you know, my, on my behalf. My girlfriend and myself can't vote to take Jason's money because there's two of us and one of him. And so it doesn't matter if there's five of us or 10 of us or 330 million of us. There's no magical additional person that makes something immoral or illogical, now moral and logical because the mob wants to, you know, lynch black folks or rob Peter to pay Paul or whatever the mob wants to do. And finally, no one can be bound by a social contract that they didn't sign. And so government has been the biggest scam in history. And it's really best thought of as a technique for robbing and controlling populations. The subtitle of the book is how intergenerational organized crime runs the government, the media and academia. And that's really kind of one of the, you know, the, the hidden plots of the book is that it's government and the media and academia working together to control the information that the population believes to slip them the idea that government is legitimate, desirable, and necessary before they're old enough to really evaluate the logic and the morality of that claim. And so they're going to do that through the mandatory government school that teaches you that it's logical and or, you know moral and legitimate before you're old enough to really evaluate the you know those claims, but also it's reinforced by a monopoly media system that is saying that government is legitimate and pretending that it's legitimate and, and, and covering it as if it's legitimate on every single channel in what is, uh, you know, a trick to, to hoax the population into going along with something that's not in their interest. Yeah. And so this, this thing, the intergenerational crime syndicate, that really got my attention. So how long so people were born into this structure and that's why it's sort of hard to pick out for them. Is that correct? Like you're born into it. So it normalizes it because it's sort of all the person has ever known. So how long has this scam by these families, how, and if it's intergenerational, how long have they been fooling the public in regards to the public needing a tyrannical force to govern them. Like how old are these families that well, are- it goes it goes all the way back to monarchy. And I look, you know, I think I think government is a is a collection of techniques. The root word is gubernare, mente, governor control the mind. Mente is the mind, gubernare is to govern or control. And so the so I think it goes back to, you know, royalty, which was the original intergenerational organized crime. You're going to give us your money or we're going to hurt you. And royalty using techniques that were, you know, that were discussed in depth by, you know, the original Etienne de la uh, Boiti and uh, Machiavelli and others 
you know, they, they, you know, royalty developed techniques to keep them in power and to get the population, not just to, you know, give them obedience, but to give them adoration and fealty and God save the queen and hail to the chief. And, you know, we're going to have photographers take, you know, pictures of them when they come into a room and we're going to, you know, elevate them in society to, uh, to a leadership position that is unearned and undeserved. Um, in an effort to steal their money and uh, and control them. And when monarchy came out of uh, favor, what I believe in the kind of the thesis of the book is that they gave the population democracy to trick them into going along and thinking that they have some kind of say in how they're being ruled, but always, always being able to control the outcome of the elections because they have a disparity of campaign funds, they have a 100% control of the media, and that's really the, you know, the, the message in the book. It's the government and the media working together since time immemorial. Uh, and you know, they're willing to use blackmail. They're willing to use bribery. They're willing to use political assassination. It's, organized, it's murder incorporated organized crime in the back end. And so we're going to cheat the elections. Well, you know, now it's done on unauditable black box voting machines where there's no audit trail. But right. they've been cheating since the beginning. And it's, uh, you know, it's an intergenerational system that understands that they're robbing and controlling the population. They're handing trillions of dollars in the United States government, you know, out the back end in uh, bailouts and stimulus and weapon systems that we don't need to fight, uh, you know, wars uh, based on lies and manufactured intelligence. Um, it's a hundred different scams, you know, going on from forcing, you know, harmful bioweapons that they call vaccines on the population and then handing a hundred billion dollars to pharmaceutical companies, uh, you know, but it is, you know, we're getting robbed and the technique that we're getting robbed using is government. And what I found, I listened to another podcast you were doing recently and for someone like me who does a lot of research, you really opened my mind because you said something along the lines that sort of humans had a natural propensity for whatever sort of feelings or emotions religion would give humans. And then religion kind of fell out of favor. And then you really started to teach me that government is has a lot of the similar undertones and overtones of the religions that like naturally attract us and government is kind of hitting those high notes and saying come over here to what feels comfortable in the government disguise and it's going to make sort of replace the religions of old like what are the characteristics of government that might ring our bell and make us attracted to it like a religion of old. So, so government is using all of the tools and techniques of an unethically manipulative religion or, or a cult to slip people the idea that government is legitimate, desirable, and necessary as children using a whole basket of techniques that really religion, uh, you know, unethically manipulative religions kind of came up with, and then, you know, they're now doing it. So the, so the religion of government is, is known as statism. 
And statism is the 100%. Nobody is born believing you should hand all of your money over to an, a, a, a ruling class. It has to be indoctrinated into you. And so statism is the indoctrinated pseudo-religion of believing in the legitimacy, the necessity, and the desirability of having a government in the first place, even though there's no iron-clad law of the universe that says that you have to have a government. And so the flag is the artificially indoctrinated holy symbol. The president is the pope of the religion. The children go to a mandatory church school where the teacher, the priest, right, is going right. to teach them about the holy documents of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Yeah. Uh, they're going to uh, take them to, uh, they're going to teach them the common prayer of the Pledge of Allegiance. They're going to teach them the hymns of the National Anthem and the Star Spangled Banner. They're going to take them to Mecca, Washington, D.C., in kind of middle school, where they're going to go into the cathedral of the capital that looks like the Vatican for a reason. They may meet some of the church leadership, the senators and the representatives. Uh, you know, they're going to go to the temples along the Potomac where they're going to uh, get to see the, uh, the deities of, of Lincoln and Jefferson, and they're going to be in literal temples. They're 100% Athenian, you know, Greek temples that they, that they, you know, reside in. Um, they're going to, uh, you know, if you go to, if you, uh, if you have to go into their dispute resolution that they call the courts, the judge is going to be wearing a vestment um, and, you know, the school system produces, you know, kind of like a, it's like the basic level of indoctrination that produces a taxpayer that's willing to tithe uh, a certain amount of their income semi-voluntarily to the government, you know, proud taxpayers, Kind of like that, that plate that goes around uh, inside a church, the collection plate. So it's voluntarily, it's, it, it appears to be voluntary, but there's so much pressure on it. I know the taxation is not really voluntary, but the same sort of a thing applies, right? It's a religion, they say give 10%. And in this religion of government, I mean, it's anywhere between 30 and 60%, I assume. I think it's even in certain, it's even more than that for some people, because when you include the hidden taxes, you know, it's the overt taxes, the covert taxes, and then inflation. And when you put it all together, uh, I think it gets to be a lot more than that for the average person. But they don't really think about the inflation tax, and they don't think they don't really understand the hidden taxes. But what I wanted to touch on is is so that's kind of the basic track that produces a taxpayer. But then there's another you know brand. There's a there's kind of another track for for the enforcement class. And the enforcement class uh, goes through the Cub Scouts, the Weeblos, the Boy Scouts, uh, the Explorers, the JROTC, the ROTC, Young Marines, military training and police training. And then that produces kind of a classic shave-headed cult member. There's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way to no, hide what's really can't. going on here. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to. You know, I know that that may offend some, but we've got a you've got a shave-headed cult member that has been given awards as a child, uh, Cub Scout Adventure Loops, Boy Scout merit badges for learning the flag worship and his duties as a quote-unquote duties as a quote-unquote citizen, 
and how to caress the flag and worship the flag. And, and when the flag gets old, we don't throw it away. We have to bury the flag because it's a holy object. Right. And by the time that you take a kid and you put him through, put him into a uniform, the single form, which is kind of an enforced conformity, when you segment them away from the rest of the population on the military bases, you know, for, you know, uh, games, when you get them into, you know, hierarchical command and control and you raise them in this ideology of government and the state, well, after they go through, you know, Cub Scouts, Weeblos, Boy Scouts, Explorers, JROTC, ROTC, and they get compacted, you know, more and more, you can't reason with them. And then what comes out the other side is someone that is, in the case of the military, willing to go abroad in crusades and murder whoever they're told right. in wars that are now frequently based on lies and manufactured intelligence and stealing resources and armies of occupation. And in the police, they're willing to use violence on overwhelmingly peaceful people to enforce the commandments of the religion and so they're using how the you know part of the reason you know that they're bad people is they're using violence on peaceful people for victimless crimes where it's not really a crime it's the government either you know trying to enforce a version of morality that may not be hurting somebody else gambling or you know uh, smoking cannabis or whatever it is uh, or they're raising revenue on their friends and their neighbors and, you know, to, you know, to, to pay for the political promises of politicians. And so, so that, that's, that is, you know, those techniques that are being used on these children are unethically manipulative. And it's one of the reasons that you know that, that this is a bad system and, and really needs to be exposed and, and changed from its yeah. core. Yeah, and there's and what we what we've seen in the past three years is these graduates of this religion, they're very dangerous, right? And I find myself they're extremely dangerous because the school system has made them unskilled in anything other than taking command. And yeah. if you don't, if someone gives you an immoral or unethical command if that's even still within the person and but they don't have any skills because the system the school system extracted the life skills to take care of themselves we get an extremely extremely dangerous automaton and that's yeah. what we're seeing so how does the school system how like how does the school system again fit in like is it just they're making the people loyal or is they're taking away skills or is, like what else is hidden in the school system that propagates the myth of government? Like what else other than the fact that the government runs it? Well, there, there's three hidden curriculums in the government school system. And okay. in, in one we kind of already touched on, which is indoctrinating this in this belief in having a government and that the, the, the legitimacy, the necessity and the desirability of government itself, we're slipping it to you as statism. We're using all the techniques we described. There's another component, which is an obedience component. And the obedience right. component is unquestioning obedience to authority. And, yeah. and this is walking in lines. This is, you know, reacting to the drill bell, you know, to change, you know, classes. Yeah. This is the red 
yellow green troublemaker boards that they have in many, many, many different classrooms. They use it as a quote unquote classroom uh, management technique, but they'll publicly shame the children where if a, ch if a child gets out of line, i.e. talks or is not uh, completely 100% obedient at all times to the teacher's directives, then the child gets publicly shamed by having his name put in the yellow Right. Uh, you know, section. And then if he talks again, now he's in the red section and now he has to go frequently to the, uh, to the bad kid table at the lunchroom where he's further publicly shamed at my kid's school. And I, and I wrote the book, I start, I wrote the book for my kids because I was yeah. watching the government school system run game on my kids and the Absolutely. school, they were using collective punishment on the kids so they had a little flip chart in the lunchroom wow. where if one kid talked at the table they would come over and they would flip the entire table to yellow and if the kid talked again they would flip the entire table to red and they would punish everybody at the mm -hmm. table for the actions of one child now that's called collective punishment that's illegal under the geneva convention you can't punish one prisoner in a barracks if you know, in a, in a POW camp, if, if you can't publish, punish the whole barracks, if one prisoner tries to escape. Right. And so that's, that's again, unethically manipulative. The fact that they have the JROTC in the schools, uh, the U S military in the United States is running entire high schools where the entire curriculum is the Marine Corps. And they have a program called Young Marines, where 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 literally the entire you know uh, uh, curriculum in the high school is the Marine Corps, and so these are unethically manipulative techniques that are being used on children, and so that's kind of the second component. The third component is debilitation, and so we've right. got statism, we've got obedience, and then we've got debilitation. The debilitation component is, you know, the mandatory vaccines it is the mandatory masks that they're forced the kids to wear it is the gmo it is the fluoridated water in the in the water fountain it is the gmo and glyphosate soaked garbage food they give them right. it is the it is the drugs like ritalin and adderall that they're putting the kids on that that are you know that are that that have some kind of independence and uh, gravitas because the, you know and because they're not you know as attuned to the to the behavior management as the other kids so they're dr they're drugging the ones that that you know that don't respond to the basic <laughs> level of training even right, though the wildest right. cults even though the wildest cults make the best sta stallions we're going to take a hammer whether it's a uh, you know corporal punishment or whether it's public shaming or whether it's drugging the kids and the ones and the and the nail that sticks up, we're going to hammer it down with either drugs or corporal punishment or public shaming or what or, or a variety of other unethically manipulative techniques. It's wrong and it's got to stop. That's I mean, that's so well explained. And it's uh, parallel with my work is, of course, the drugging of the kids, regardless of name, is to weaken them. Like you said, de de yep. you know, you're debilitating them have no abilities after that. And if you pollute a human, they become weaker and they become more compliant to group pressure. So you can see this is being applied to the children, is being applied to the adults today. 
Let's go on to something like another thing I remember from the interview um, on Here for the Truth with Eurosimos and Joel. You're talking about gatekeepers like potentially Tucker Carlson in regards to although someone like Tucker is, and I think you might have alluded, maybe it was you or someone else, but someone was thinking he might be in the Mockingbird media. See, he might be a, a bit of a CIA plant. Was that you? Uh, you mentioned well, that? So I, I'm suspicious of anyone using statism. Right. And so when you take a look at, you know, Tucker Carlson's set and he's got the Capitol, I mean, the Vatican, I mean, the Capitol behind him and he's got the, the flags and everything that really is leading the population around by the nose, understanding that they've been unethically, manipulatively, you know, indoctrinated into this pseudo religion of government. And that that for the people that are that have invested their identities and being an American and are falling for the fake left right paradigm, you know, he's keeping people in that fake left right paradigm, he'll he'll expose a lot of corruption that the government is involved in. But he's not going to tell you that government itself is illegitimate and is a technique to rob and control society. At the same time, he's leading you around by the nose, or he's leading around the religiously faithful by the nose with the statism and the flag and the the Vatican, I mean the Capitol and, and all of that nonsense. And so I'm very, very suspicious of anybody that is that is going along with that and not exposing government for what it is, a technique to rob and control populations that is always illegitimate, can never be legitimate. Uh, and so so that's one of the reasons I'm suspicious of Tucker. And, and that's good for people to understand, because there's many outlets like that. I mean, we have one. I think it's originating out of Canada. It doesn't get a lot of censorship, censorship though. So they're they're around many places called Rebel News. Uh, have you seen anything about Rebel News? I sent uh, I sent Ezra a copy of the book, and I've never uh, heard back from him. But uh, I'm familiar with them, and I've tried to you know I've tried to reach out to them, but I haven't heard anything. Do you trust them or not trust them? Well, it's the sort of the same thing you're talking about, which I think is good to educate the, the public on, is that, say, like, it, they call it the Epic Times, even though it's spelled Epoch. There's the Epic Times, Rebel News, and there's other outlets that will pretend to be reporting, but the, the, whether they go for the right or the left or the red or the blue, no one's saying that there's a group of psychopaths and mental defectives that are definitely intergenerational, like Justin Trudeau, his dad, Pierre Trudeau, and you know, uh, the father of Justin Trudeau is uh, Fidel Castro, as we know. Yeah. But no one's hitting on these basic foundational points that in order for this to stop, we have to surround the buildings, the, these these religious buildings, and literally tell the priests are our, our government's uh, employees that they're no longer welcome inside the building. Like, how do we, how do we go from, how do you start to introduce someone to the fact that the foundational scam is the, is the government and our belief in it is what's making our lives worse. And how do you get people to envision their lives with their own money 100% retention of their own value 
how do you how do you do that? Do you just send them the book? Do you buy them the book? Do you leave your book where they are? Is there any documentaries? You like? Do you have a formula for trying to infiltrate the mind of someone uh, that believes in one party or the other, the left or the right, the red or the blue, and they don't understand this is the foundational hill that they're always going to die on because it's completely illegitimate. So the book was actually designed to wake up people and to bring them to that moment of insight. And so in my uh, in a previous life, I used to consult for Fortune 100, 500 companies in visual collaboration and productivity. And most people are visual learners. And so the book uses a lot of techniques to kind of uh, fast forward people into, uh, you know, an understanding. Um, you know, the first part of the book compares 20 plus techniques used by the US, the Nazis, the Soviet Union and East Germany. And when people see them, you know, compared, you know, those four regimes compared, it com becomes very apparent that the United States is using the exact same playbook as the Nazis, the Soviets and the East Germans. I'm doing a lot with visualization in the book uh, yeah. because you know, visualization helps make something that is invisible now visible through visualization. And so, you know, the example that I use a lot is if you, if your friends and family didn't realize that there are six monopoly media companies running hundreds and hundreds of subsidiaries to give everybody the illusion that there's all these different information sources in society, well, if they didn't understand that, you could try and explain that to them. But they may or may not believe you. But if you show them the media ownership chart that's in the book, they're like, holy crap, there's six companies running hundreds of subsidiaries to give everybody the illusion that there's all these information sources in society. And they come to that insight themselves um, because they saw it with their own eyes. And so that's really the power of the book. Um, if you send them a link to a video, they'll probably delete it. But if you give them a physical object, it's going to have permanence in their life. And then I don't know, you know, like once you pick it up and you start, you know, people are hooked. I've literally been exhibiting at conferences and people will pick up the book and start flipping through it and sit down right next to my table and just read the whole thing because it just catches their attention in a way that, you know, nothing else can. And, and it's just, so it's very, very powerful. With that said, there are three kind of important things that people need to, to free themselves, uh, you know, intellectually that they've really got to understand. Number one is, we've already touched on it, it's impossible to have, uh, you know, a legitimate government. So you, you but you have to really think about it as an adult and say, hey, is what they told me about government as a child I've just kind of accepted that now that I'm adult, I'm going to take a step back and think about it myself. And is, can there be a legitimate government? If there's 10 people on an Island, is there any way for six people to get the right to rule everybody else and make the full, make four people hunt for coconuts and do whatever they say and be the labor and give part of their income, you yeah. know, without it being theft. And so they really have to think about it themselves. The second thing that they have to understand is that th we're up against a trillion dollar, uh, you know, control of perception system. 
It's monopoly media plus academia, you know, the mandatory government school, the state universities, that, that the information that they have been receiving their entire lives has been controlled to them through a monopolization of the media. And then in the internet age, the algorithmic censorship of the DARPA internet. So there's three to four dozen you know, new media internet companies ranging from Google to Yahoo to YouTube to Facebook to Twitter to Reddit to Discuss that does comments on thousands of websites yeah. to Meetup to Wikipedia to Snopes to other uh, well-known platforms that have been overfunded by this intergenerational organized crime system so that they have the dominant platform and they're able to algorithmically control the information that, that the population receives. They do that either by demonetizing, deplatforming, shadow banning, de-indexing the authentic voices of the alternative media at the same time that they're turning up the knobs on controlled opposition and the fake left-right paradigm and the elections are, are legitimate and, uh, and, and, and all of that. So they have to understand how information is controlled and how easily it's controlled by moneyed interest. Wow. And then the final thing that you got to understand is that you don't need government. And so a lot of people there, you know, I get a lot of feedback that, hey, you know, I do a great job of exposing how intergenerational organized crime runs the government, the media and academia. But Jason, what are we going to do, man? You got to have government. So I guess we're just trapped. And I yeah. literally people tell me that and I'm in shock and dismay. And so the kind of the good news message of the book is that you don't really need government, that everything that government does, besides redistribution, you can't rob Peter to pay Paul, but the overwhelming thing that government does is provide services, whether that service is delivering the mail or armed protective services that they call the police or dispute resolution that they call the courts or air traffic control or running the worst passenger train system in the, on the planet. You know, whatever it is, the free market and nonprofits and mutual aid societies and co-ops and, and real genuine charities would do it better, faster, and cheaper. But most people have never, ever, ever given that two seconds of thought of how you could have everything that government does without government. Um, but the good news is we back up uh, the book with a, uh, a flash drive that we call the Liberators, credit card size flash drive. And we've got a wealth of material of some of the leading economists in the world explaining how you would have the police and courts and dispute resolution and everything else that government does without government. Canada uh privatized air traffic control over a decade ago and uh you know no planes are dropping out of the sky in canada and so that's really the good news message is, is voluntarism and so the name for that is voluntarism right which i describe as the only ism that is fair for everybody every other ruling ism whether it's socialism communism uh, democratic uh, republicanism, constitutional republicanism, every other ism has a ruling class that has rights that the other people don't have that gets to engage in violence or extortion. 
And so voluntarism is really the only system that is fair for everybody. Nobody gets the ring of power because there isn't a ring of power. And it's a kind of understanding of this, what has been hidden from them, that the world is a self-organizing system. It produces spontaneous order. Everything that the government does would be done better, faster, and cheaper by the free market and all of these you know, mutual aid societies and co-ops if the world had been allowed to develop naturally. Now, there's going to have to be a transition period because we've been, you know, captured by organized crime and they've stolen the wealth of the country and they've gotten everybody, you know, dependent on government. So we're going to have to transition out of that. And I'm here in New Hampshire, you know, with the Free State Project this weekend where we're discussing how do you roll it back? How do you get rid of government? And we're trying to create a laboratory of liberty here in New Hampshire. Uh, but like that's that's really the three things that you got to that you've got to understand. Number one, that it's illegitimate. You can never have a, a government. Number two, that, that there's an organized crime system controlling the information you receive. And until you get off of that teat, you know, you're going yeah. to be hoaxed and, and chumped again. And then finally, that we really don't need government. Everything it does, we'd be a lot richer. We'd be a lot well off. The economy would have, you'd have more opportunities for job growth. Your job would pay a lot more. You'd have more take-home pay. You'd have more than enough money to take care of the poor, the needy, a disadvantage if we could just get rid of organized crime government. Yeah, that that was so well said. And not that we're done here, but how... Can you tell people where they can get now this book, tell them where to get it. This is the second edition or be, or is this you wrote? This some, is the fifth edition. Fifth edition. OK, because I don't yeah, know which this one is, they got. Yeah, this is this is the fifth edition. And uh, we just released it in January. We have all new content. We've taken the content on the Liberator flash drive up to 64 gig. And uh, and we've developed to get around the, the censorship of chain bookstores and chain stores. We've now got uh, pop-up guerrilla bookstores that we're getting out, and we, you can even donate them to what we're doing in New Hampshire. And we we give them to the Liberty organizations in in the state. But we're getting uh, we're getting pop-up guerrilla bookstores to anybody that has a retail location or has a friend with a retail location. Uh, so a lot of innovation since the fourth edition. I think you've got a fourth edition, uh, but uh, you get it at government-scam.com. Uh, and uh, my other websites are the art of liberty or dot uh, org. Art of liberty.org is the Art of Liberty Foundation, which is our kind of startup uh, public policy organization where we're trying to create a voluntarist think tank. That is number one comes at the that are, you know our problems not from the political aspect, but that government is illegitimate and criminal, and is really kind of tracking the government and the media as a criminal enterprise that is you know looting the population and recycling the profits into media you know, ownership and control and into political, you know, uh, contributions to the next wave of political puppets. Well, that's great. So it's government-scam.com, the first one? And artofliberty.org, correct. Artofliberty.org. Okay, good. Now, can you explain to people how when the government starts printing this fake money, <laughs> that doesn't, <laughs> is not backed by anything, how, you call that the invisible tax. So they're they're becoming more poor. So they're sitting 
in their homes, they have maybe $10,000 in their bank account and just, they're not spending it, but that money's being stolen and it's becoming of less value. Even though it says 10,000, it's, there's a theft going on. So could you explain to people about the inflation and how this invisible theft is going on and how they know it's going on. It's very easy to trick the average person when the, the numbers stay the same in the bank account, but the spending power is less, correct? Correct. So the so the uh, the scam is called fractional reserve banking. And here in the United States, I'm sure it's the same in Canada. They it lobbied is. They lobbied and bribed the government in 1913 to pass the Federal Reserve Act. The Federal Reserve Act created the kind of the third bank of the United States after number one and number two were found to be corrupt and kind of kicked out when the end of their 20-year charter uh, happened. So they they got a third bank of the United States in. Uh, it's not a government institution. It's a private institution, and it backstops other banks to engage in something called fractional reserve banking. Now, the scam of fractional reserve banking is that when you go to the bank to get a car loan or you go to the bank to get uh, a mortgage, they're not lending you depositor money. They just tickle the ivories on the keyboard and credit your account with digital dollars that they create out of thin air. Right. Now, these right. digital dollars that they create out of thin air, as they create more and more and more digital dollars, or if the Fed and the Treasury are creating additional digital dollars through quantitative easing for bailouts and stimulus and and PPE, you know, and, and whatever else they're spending, you know, the money on, those dollars then begin to compete with the existing dollars in circulation and they begin bidding up prices. And that's the reason why the cost of everything is going up is because it's a way of kind of stealing the value out of the money in a way that most people don't understand or don't, you know, aren't, aren't you know, uh, and the television is lying to you about the cause of it. So if you listen to the television, inflation occurs because fairies come at night and sprinkle pixie dust on gas pumps and cash registers. Right. But the real reality of the situation is that the more and more they allow these organized crime banks to create money, the less your money is worth. And I use two different analogies. And one analogy is imagine if I have a dollar and you dear viewer or listener have a dollar and we have the only $2 in the world. Right. Okay. I own 50% of the world's wealth. You own 50% of the world's wealth. And then a bank or a government comes along and creates two additional dollars either using fractional reserve banking or quantitative easing or some other little trick that they play on the population. Well, now all of a sudden I've been reduced to 25% of the world, a quarter. You've been reduced to right. a quarter and the bank and the government has now stolen 50% of the world's wealth without having to fire a shot, without having to reach into your pocket, without having to do anything. The other analogy I like to use is just imagine you're playing Monopoly and the banker is cheating and the banker's reaching under the table when nobody's looking and grabbing $500 bills. And at the end of the game, who owns every single thing on the board and who are renters and debtors? And so that is the system that we've been under. And, and the ability to create money out of thin air has allowed them to buy up 
all of the major companies and they've organized that into the World Economic Forum and that ownership is held by BlackRock and Vanguard and State Street and some of these other, you know, private equity companies. But they've been buying up all the world, real estate, plant, property, equipment, companies, uh, most of the Fortune 100 or companies that have been, you know, bought up through this fractional reserve banking. They're organizing the C-level executives through the World Economic Forum. They're organizing the, the, uh, the media puppets and the nonprofits that are being used to foment color revolutions in different countries and, and play the population off against each other with divide and conquer and things like that. All of that is through the World Economic Forum, the Council on Foreign Relations, Trilateral Commission, Bilderberg Group. And we have visualizations in the book showing how most of the media are been, have been organized into those, uh, you know, the, 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 those organizations have maneuvered their members into the key publisherships, reporterships, editorships in the media. So the media never tells you why your money's losing value or what's right. really going on. And so that is the, that is the uh, hidden tax that is stealing the same way they if they just reached their hand into your pocket and stole your money they're stealing the value they're just doing it in a way that most people don't understand because the government school system's not going to explain it to you right so the average person probably doesn't even know where their money comes from so we know now that this fractional reserve banking and this sort of ability to print money at uh, any amount with no restriction devalues all the cash or currency we hold in our homes or in our bank accounts. What is the right, like how do, what is the system? Like there's another system, right? How is it supposed to be run? How is this supposed to be run where I can maintain my value in some sort of asset? Like, is this supposed to be a, a gold-backed system? Is this has worked? Can this work if it was a gold-backed system? And for every dollar that's in circulation, there has to be a dollar of gold held somewhere else? Well, I think that what there needs to be is a free market in money, and then the free market would decide which money, you know, kept its value the best and which money was the most useful in right. exchange. And so commodity money, whether it be gold or silver or copper, you know, that's money that has, you know, value because it's useful. Silver is the, you know, the most conductive metal. It's the most reflective metal. It's, uh, it is used as an antibacterial. It has more patents against it than anything else. Gold is valued as a 5,000 year history as money. Uh, copper is one of the most useful industrial metals. So these things are going to maintain their value where little paper tickets might not. Right. And so those have, because those have a history of, of, of being money, because they're easily divisible, because it's easy to tell if it's real gold or real silver, uh, you know, uh, in, you know, in commerce, there's a lot of reasons why those we're good metal, but now, you know, we're in the, we're in the uh, information age and now you've got these uh, other monetary, you know, whether it be cryptocurrencies, uh, whether it be community currencies that are issued by the community, whether it be time value, you know, people doing uh, labor for a certain amount of community currency, there are other alternatives 
they can all, you know, the, the free market would, uh, would determine which of those were the best, but governments don't want the competition. And so they mandate by fiat. And you can, if you take a look at one of the dollars in your wallet, it says that this, you know, money is current, you know, currency by government fiat. It actually says for all debts, you know, uh, public and private. And so the government mandates that you take uh, the dollar and then internationally, the U.S. military uh, makes sure that other countries take the dollar uh, in traffic. And if you don't, then the U.S. military comes and, and removes you, as they did with Saddam Hussein when he uh, took all of his uh, U.S. dollars and turned them into euros. Right. Uh, you know, the U.S. government comes in and says, no, no, you're going to take the dollar. And that's one of the ways that they're able to steal resources from other countries is by forcing the other country to take the little paper tickets and the digital dollars that they create out of thin air for real resources and plant property and equipment. And in your, that, that's a good explanation of help people get where they need to go. Now in your book, and you were talking on that last podcast with Joel and Erasmus, you were talking a little bit about drugs and how this organized intergenerational crime syndicate really likes to use this debilitating drugs. You can see they're using various chemicals and pollutants and toxins on the children to control them. And it, is these drugs, does it have a multifactorial benefit for the crime syndicate? It would seem to be to me that not only does it disempower the public, but they make profits from it where they funnel the profits off to their various uh, black op operations mm -hmm. and so they can sort of run, run 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 their crime syndicate without any sort of public exposure so they're sort of uh, co-opting say the war on drugs it looked like it was the government actually just pushing out the competition where it was just the cia that was going to be running the cocaine and then they take the private you know the cash uh, revenue and profits from it and funnel it somewhere else like what is your opinion of the role of drugs, whether it's fentanyl or cocaine, in the governing of the people. So uh, I just finished one of the most important books that I've ever read, which is a book called Drugs as Weapons Against Us by John Potash. And he breaks down how the government uh, was, you know, literally spreading LSD during the 60s to blunt the anti-war movement and to brain damage the, you know, the, the kind of the, create the hippies, brain damage them, right. get them to tune in, turn on and drop out. Uh, and so, so drugs have been used as a weapon against society to make people uh, weak, lethargic. Uh, you know, uh, I know that you, you know, you're very, you know, uh, uh, understanding of this dynamic for sure but to your point uh it, it it is a tremendous cash generator and it also allows them to arrest people and so you know they were arresting any uh you know any singers and musicians and bands in the 60s that were that were you know uh anti-war anti-establishment exposing the criminality of the system they were using that, you know, that, you know, they're arresting people for, you know, marijuana possession. So, so, the, so, so drugs is something that is, you know, it's a victimless crime in the sense that you're not hurting somebody else. 
you shouldn't be arrested and put in a cage for damaging yourself, even if, you know, even if it is damaging yourself, but they have the ability to say, ah, 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 now we can arrest you and now we can, you know, uh, 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 take you off of the board because we didn't like what you were singing or saying or writing or whatever. And then finally, uh, you know, they, they could get you addicted uh, even to the point of death. And I think they use, uh, you know, a lot of the, the book breaks down kind of the suspicious nature of a lot of the drug overdose in the 60s and the deaths in the 60s, uh, you know, from Janis Joplin uh, to, uh, uh, to Tupac, you know, to others like the, the, uh, the intelligence agencies uh, role in some of those deaths. Um, the final thing that I would, I would kind of say about it is, with the fentanyl there, I think that there's a, that the, some of the people that are running the government are eugenicists. And so you take a look in at, at history, some of the greatest fortunes on the planet were left to eugenics, the Rockefeller fortune, the Carnegie fortune, uh, you know, uh, George Soros is a, is a, is a public known eugenicist. Ted Turner is a public. Can you tell people what eugenics is? Uh, eugenics is the idea that you can improve humanity either through something called positive eugenics, which is, uh, you know, I want my uh, very intelligent son to marry a very intelligent woman, so they have very intelligent, you know, kids, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, and that's why it's called positive eugenics. On the negative side, it's the idea that we can uh, we can improve society by getting rid of even murdering or culling the population of useless eaters or people that we don't like or ethnic groups that we don't like or traits that we don't like out of society by by killing them and so when you take a look at what's going on with fentanyl in the united states and other drugs in the united states either drugs that have been engineered and are being widely uh, uh, over prescribed or illegal drugs that are having fentanyl added to heroin and cocaine wow. causing uh, causing these overdose you know there's no interest in the drug you know in the drug dealers and killing off their patients and so it, it smells because there is, you know, a known intelligence agency involvement in the drug trade and because the intelligence agencies are working for the exam uh, eugenicists that brought you, uh, you know, a engineered fake pandemic in an effort to get needles into people's arms that have now killed, you know, by conservative estimates, 20 million people. In the short term, we don't even know what's going to happen with the long term on these, you know, these vaccines. It appears that uh, that that this is this this has a eugenics motive behind it. I can't prove that, but I just don't see any reason for drug dealers to be putting fentanyl into the the drug supply, given the fact that it's killing their customers. There's other things you can cut the drugs with that are just as cheap and uh and don't you know kill off your customer and so it smells like eugenics to me and in canada right now they have legalized all hard drugs in british columbia it's a province of canada where if you're caught with two to three days of any drug there can be no charges 
And then also in British Columbia, the government has contracted with a company to produce and distribute cocaine. What's going on there? So the, these are being promoted. They're being promoted by the media system. I think that if you, you know, because drugs were legal here in the United States until, uh, you know, until the 30s. But because there was no profit motive for the drug dealers, nobody was addicted to heroin that you could go down and get, uh, you know, the uh, you could go down and get in the drugstore. The drug trade and drug prohibition creates a kind of value added tax that is collected by organized crime so that they have an incentive to create uh, an addict. Um, if, if, if you're a drug dealer and you can get a teenager hooked on, on heroin or cocaine, chances are you're the only heroin or cocaine dealer that that kid knows, and he's right. got no choice but to come for you. There's no economic incentive for you know somebody to give out free alcohol and get somebody hooked on alcohol and spend their own money to get somebody hooked on alcohol because you can go get alcohol at any store on the street and right. so so the it's the prohibition that is really causing a lot of the a lot of the problem and then that value added tax is being collected by the intelligence agencies that are involved in the drug business it's collected by organized crime which is involved with the the government system and the intelligence agencies and so that so the so they're they're making money by keeping drugs illegal and then they're using government resources to crack down on the drug dealers that aren't paying their cut, the cowboys, the mavericks, uh, they're spraying certain fields in Colombia under the DEA's Plan Colombia and not spraying other fields. They're allowing certain warlords in Afghanistan to move, to to be in the drug business while while prohibiting other ones, and and so so it's a, it's a way of kind of controlling giant areas of land to prohibit. Uh, you know, uh, competing interests from getting into their game. Yeah, I just see it as just a general all-out weakening of the entire society to the point where the, the the eugenics is involved. The addicts will will kill themselves if you give them enough access to these drugs. So uh, what we'll do one more question, and it's probably the the best one to leave to the end. What do you think is happening since March of twenty twenty? With these uh, injections, they are obviously we're aware they they don't qualify as vaccination. They don't make anybody immune to disease, and they don't they don't provide any health benefit. What what is what is going on uh, in regards to these ruling families? What are they really doing here? So I think it was an, a eugenics program. Uh, so in the, in the, I would, I just released the fifth edition of the book. It took me a year to get the fifth edition out and I wanted to address the COVID in the fifth edition, but the, but my research into the COVID just kept, just kept getting more and more and more evidence of kind of government, you know, corruption of foreknowledge of disaster capitalism of eugenics. And I had to, pull out the section on the COVID just to be able to ship the book. So wow. now I'm, 
I'm doing a, I'm doing a, me, I'm doing a media campaign for the book right now, but, I, but in a month or so, I'm going to go back and pick up uh, uh, this book that I'm, that I'm writing right now that will be entitled Solving COVID, How Eugenics-Centered Intergenerational Organized Crime uh, Engineered a Fake Pandemic to Steal Trillions and Murder Millions. And so that 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 uh, that book I've released on our Substack at artofliberty.substack.com in an article entitled "Solving COVID: The COVID-19 Eugenics uh, Vaccine Drug Scam Timeline," where I actually break down and take you through what is you know, starting with the you know the founding of eugenics, the Rockefellers' involvement. Yeah the first uh, swine flu uh, pan, quote unquote pandemic in 1918 actually started at Camp Funston on Fort Riley, Kansas, where John D. Rockefeller, the son of John D. Rockefeller's right-hand man is, is, is injecting troops with a vaccine allegedly for meningitis just full of poison right just the just same full of poison that's literally, literally the 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 panic the of, of 1918 the pandemic of 1918 was started at the, the epicenter of it was a was being was a, a military base where the rockefeller medical institute was testing a vaccine for meningitis and then it popped up on three other uh, training bases where the where the recruits were also being injected as part of training. And so I think that that we've got a eugenics problem, where again some of the largest fortunes on the planet were left to eugenics, and that they've been uh, you know uh, getting ready for this campaign for quite some time. I think it goes back to 2010 when the Rockefeller Foundation published a document called Lockstep where they outlined a future scenario of exactly, you know, what we saw. And so, uh, so I, I, I think it's a eugenics program that, that was also used to steal trillions. So it was the engineered manufactured reason to hand trillions of dollars to private banks, private companies through the bailouts and the stimulus and to intervene in the treasury market. So the treasury market of the United States uh, the government has to raise over a trillion dollars a year by selling uh, bills, bonds, and notes in the in a in a kind of treasury auction system. Right. I don't believe that people were coming to the treasury auctions, and so I think that the and, and so that system was starting to blow up. And in Feb and in December of 2019 and January of 2020, uh, the the uh, the Fed began get, getting caught. Uh, it's forbidden by law for buying treasuries at the auction. And so the Fed began getting caught, not buying them at the auction, which would have been illegal, buying them a day later from the primary dealers. There's about 20 banks and financial institutions that are allowed to sell the, the, the government's uh, sovereign debt. Right. And uh, those 20 banks were holding on to them. And because all these bonds and bills and notes have QCIP numbers against them, people that follow the industry began reporting on this. It started popping up in Zero Hedge and Chris Martinson was reporting on it and others. But I don't think people were coming to the treasury market 
at the at a, at a realistic rate. A lot of these purchases are strong purchases. So the COVID was the engineered, uh, manufactured reason that allowed the treasury market to intervene publicly in the treasury market, which they started doing in, I think it was May of 2020 to the tune of, at one point, it was $80 billion a day. Right. Uh, and so they're buying up. And I think that they just knew that this was coming along. And so they engineered uh, the reason why they were going to get to intervene publicly in the treasury market. And I think that's, it was a prop up of the treasury market. Wow. Okay. Well, that sounds, I mean, if people can dig into this a little bit more on your sub stack and see some of this, these timelines in regards to COVID uh, or basically the fake, let's not even call it COVID. We'll just call it uh, a eugenics operation disguised as COVID but uh, it's been really interesting talking to you, Etienne. So let's say, uh, let's give them one more time the website, so or, and we can give you the parting words. We'll give you the floor if you have any final bits of advice. But please also let people know again where they can get the book and where they can get in contact with you. And if you accept personal emails and email address, I'm sure some people would like to. Uh, see if you have a, an email list or something along that line. Uh, yeah. So uh, you can get the book at government-scam.com, government-scam.com. You can sign up for our weekly newsletter, Five Meme Friday at artofliberty.org forward slash subscribe. Uh, you can see all of our work at artofliberty.org. You can get uh, the preview copy, uh, the all of the work that I've done on the COVID to this point at artofliberty.substack.com and that article is entitled solving covid the covid 19 eugenics vaccine drug scam timeline and i really break down not just the covid scam but the previous vaccine drug scams of other engineered pandemics from the swine flu to the avian flu to uh, HIV and AIDS, all of these, I believe, have been eugenics operations where they're, you know, uh, selling the population on uh, on an engineered, ginned up pandemic, and then they come along with drugs that are going to that the the government will buy in bulk, stockpile under something called BARDA, buy again when the stock when the when when it when it expires in a you know in a, in a and then force on the population that will then make the problem worse kind of like azt and aids right. which they then point to and say see look there's a look at all these sick people uh there's obviously a pandemic going on here and then they you know they're going to sell you the cure that's going to make it worse to make it look like there's really a pandemic going on and they've done this a couple of different times and i break it all down at artofliberty.substack.com Beautiful. One more question. The name that you use, Etienne de la Bote squared, who is the original Etienne de la Bote? So he was a French political philosopher. He wrote in the 16th century, and he was really the first one that broke down the little tricks and techniques that rulers use, not just to get obedience, but fealty and adoration. And uh, he wrote a book called The Discourse of Voluntary Servitude uh, that, that was very impactful <laughs> on me. And so uh, I mentioned I'm, I'm divorced. My kids were in the government school system. 
And so I took the nom de plume to keep the heat, you know, to keep the heat off of my kids for what dad was doing. I'm probably going to come out with my real name here in the, in the not too distant future. But I took his name because I'm trying to do the work that he was doing in the 16th century for the modern age. I'm showing people how the magician does the trick so they can't be fooled by the magician. Beautiful. Great way to end it. Pleasure to have you go to the website, government-scam.com, pick up a copy of this book. Etienne, thank you very much for being with us today. Your work is extremely valuable to all of society. So thanks for ha- thanks for talking to me today. Thanks, Jason. Thank you for what you do. It's a mutual admiration society. <laughs> You're very welcome.